there came into the hush a high, dismal, prolonged howl. The already shocked Bagthorpes now positively froze. What? What on earth? began Mrs. Bagthorpe faintly. The howl came again. It's a werewolf, I think, said Rosie in a small voice, and shuffled up to her mother. Crikey! It's Zero! Jack dashed from the room. Zero, who had been patiently guarding the pile of comics for two full hours now, evidently needed urgently to leave the house. When Jack opened his bedroom door, he was practically knocked sideways, as Zero hurled himself forward and shot down the landing. "'Sorry!' yelled Jack after him. He himself leaped down the stairs two at a time and into the sitting-room. He could not afford to miss anything. By now the Bagthorpes, to some extent recovered, were beginning to find their tongues. "'Didn't expect to find you here, doctor,' Uncle Parker was saying. "'No one ill, I trust.' "'Only me,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. "'Started any good fires lately?' "'Mr. Bagthorpe has injured his arm in a fall,' replied the doctor. "'We were just discussing the problem of transport to the hospital for x-rays.' "'No problem,' said Uncle Parker. "'I'll take him.' "'At the moment,' said Mr. Bagthorpe, "'I have only what I suppose in the profession is termed a minor injury. "'I have no wish, thank you, to arrive at the hospital either crippled for life or a case for the coroner.' Uncle Parker was used to this kind of remark about his driving, and took it gracefully. "'As you like,' he said, "'but you've only to say the word. Sorry about the arm. How did it happen?' "'He fell over at tea-time,' said several Bagthorpes in unison. Uncle Parker, as one of the family, would hear the truth later, but not now, in the presence of an outsider. "'A lavender man bearing tidings,' Grandma said dramatically, and pointed an accusatory finger at Uncle Parker. "'That man, the one who ran poor Thomas over, is the Lavender Man.' The other Bagthorpes slowly nodded their heads. There seemed no escaping this conclusion. "'When did you buy that suit?' demanded Mr. Bagthorpe. "'And where did you get it? Not round here. You don't see suits like that round here, thank God.' Mr. Bagthorpe himself usually wore denim, as most of his friends at the BBC did and made a point of looking down at heel, and interestingly dishevelled. "'Last week, the West End. Do you like it?' Uncle Parker pirouetted for their benefit. "'It's super,' said Tess. "'I wish you'd get one like that, Father.' "'It's horrible,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. "'But that's beside the point. The point is, it's lavender.' "'Unusual, I thought,' agreed Uncle Parker. "'Fortunately,' returned Mr. Bagthorpe. "'And wait a minute. What about the tidings?' "'Tidings?' repeated Uncle Parker. "'He did it beautifully,' Jack thought. "'Just a shade of puzzlement. "'Not too much, not too little.' "'The tidings you're bearing!' "'Uncle <laughs> Mr. Bagthorpe was beginning to shout again. "'I think perhaps I had better explain, Mr. Parker,' said Dr. Winters. "'As a matter of fact, we have all just witnessed a most interesting phenomenon.' "'You didn't,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. "'I did, twice.' and you said there was nothing wrong with him. Dr. Winters ignored the interruption, and explained the matter as he understood it much more clearly and briefly than any of the Bagthorpes could have done. Uncle Parker listened admirably. Jack felt that if whatever he did between 8 and 10 a.m. in his study ever fell through, he could easily take up acting instead. "'By Jove!' he exclaimed. 
How fascinating. Well, you're a dark horse, young Jack, and no mistake. So we've got a prophet in our midst, have we? A prophet? repeated William disbelievingly, and a shade jealously. Anyway, the prophecy, or whatever it is, hasn't come true. You're not bearing tidings. Ah, but I am, said Uncle Parker. It's why I came over. I've heard from the Brents. About my au pair. About my Danish girl. Mrs. Bagthorpe and Tess exclaimed simultaneously. They both had reason to be delighted. Tess had decided to make Danish another string to her bow, and it was not on the syllabus at school. Mrs. Bagthorpe wanted someone to live in and help with various things Mrs. Fosdyke either wouldn't or couldn't do, driving the car for one thing. All fixed up. Uncle Parker nodded. She arrives tomorrow, coming in on the 1059 at Isham. I cannot understand, said Grandma, why anyone should wish to call a child Atlanta. I am not altogether happy about this arrangement. I am beginning, with a sideways look at Jack, to have my doubts about all kinds of things. It'll be marvelous, Tess said. We'll be able to talk Danish all day long, but... So, there's your bearing tidings, interrupted Mr. Bagthorpe. Is anyone going to do anything about getting me to hospital? Come along, said his wife. I shall take you. Tess, dear, will you ring Mr. Bolin and give him my apologies for this evening? And could you, Russell, possibly stop till I get back and keep an eye on things? We don't need babysitting, you know, said William. I know, dear. It's just that with one thing and another, I'd be happier at the moment. In case I have another trance, thought Jack gleefully. It's worked. It's all worked. Mrs. Fosdyke poked her head in. I'm off, she said briefly. I've swept up my Dresden and put the bits in a cereal bowl. It'll never mend. She shot Mr. Bagthorpe a final, baleful look, and was gone. I can stay for a while, said Uncle Parker, but I don't want to leave Celia on her own too long. Oh, poor Celia, I never asked. How is she? cried Mrs. Bagthorpe. That fire coming so close after the other, she must be quite unnerved. She was unnerved, said Uncle Parker. Now she's practically unhinged. In fact, he addressed Dr. Winters, I was of two minds whether to call you and get something to calm her down. Whatever's happened now, asked Mrs. Bagthorpe. That child set fire to her school, I expect, said Mr. Bagthorpe. Some lunatic, said Uncle Parker, was making anonymous phone calls the whole afternoon. Someone was ringing up and breathing into the phone and then hanging up. How ghastly! Mrs. Bagthorpe clasped her hands. I get this sort of thing, you know, among my problems. Some poor creatures are hounded to the brink of suicide. Really? Tell us more. You could see that Mr. Bagthorpe, bad arm or not, was itching to make notes. She clapped a hand to her mouth. No, I mustn't. I can't tell. I can't say. What I can say, Uncle Parker duly said, is that if ever I catch who it was, blood will be shed. Jack could not look at Uncle Parker. He felt his face burn. When I was walking in the garden earlier, I saw a hedgehog, stated Grandpa. Lovely father, shouted Mrs. Bagthorpe encouragingly. It was dead, he went on. I hate to see a dead animal, unless it's a wasp. I'll never forget the day my darling Thomas was killed, began Grandma. It was... Come on, said Mr. Bagthorpe, and got up. The rest of you don't let him 
indicating Uncle Parker, out of your sight. He'll start another fire if you do. He's hooked on it. He went off to have his arm x-rayed, and Jack went to call Zero back in.